Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Rays FC podcast, where we focus in all things pro soccer to DMV across the U.S. My name is Jose Amanya from the Sports Post, and joining me as always, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's uh, it's chilly outside, and also we don't really need people.com to announce this episode, this week's episode of the Bad Hombres FC podcast. I'll have Mario touch on that later in the show. Uh, I'm gonna stay away from it, uh, but we have to talk about why we didn't have an episode last week, and that was the fact that we were at the final game of the Washington Spirit season. That's right, it was the final game. Why? Because the Washington Spirit would go 67 minutes down to 10 players without Trini Rodman after she was red carded early in the first half for a late challenge from behind direct red card, the spirit who are in fifth place and sitting with a playoff spot guaranteed with a playoff spot. If they were to win would be eliminated out of any playoff contention after losing to North Carolina one nil. It was a satin display with Rodman being kicked out, crying following the game. Defender Tara McKeown, who had been in the back line all season, she was out for yellow card accumulation. Coach Mark Parsons, which we'll get to in a second, also out with yellow card accumulation. And the Spirit were then eliminated following the result and other results in the league from playoff contention ending their season on a sad note. Just days later, the Spirit announced that they fired Mark Parsons after one season after failing to lead the club back into the playoffs for a second consecutive year. Parsons only led the team to the eighth place finish in the 12th team in WSL. Mario, what are your thoughts on how the season played out for the Spirit? And might as well ask the, que- the question in the room, was Mark Parsons justifiably fired? To answer that question, no, not really. I don't think he's justifiably fired. Just because they, they did well under Mark Parsons. Yes, the season ended in a catastrophe. It's like one of those like slow builds to a tragic event in a movie. It just... Went downhill from there. But no, I think Mark Parsons was heading in the right direction with his team. There's a lot of things that he did right. I think the Spirit uh, front office kind of jumped ahead of themselves in firing Mark Parsons. I feel like they should have given him at least another year. Because they were in playoff contention that entire time. They were able to play well. He was able to use certain players to the best of their abilities. Especially making Tara McHugh to center back. Probably one of the biggest strokes of genius I've seen in a while. I don't think that letting go of Mark Parsons necessarily was a good decision on their part. I understand to an extent why they may have let go of him, but I feel like it's kind of the wrong move. And for the game itself and how the season ended up playing out, I think it was just once Trinity Rodman got ejected in in that game, it kind of just went downhill for the spirit. North Carolina scores. Oh, what is it, like two, three, maybe five minutes after Trinity Rodman gets ejected? And then they couldn't find their footing in for the rest of the game. They tried. They created some opportunities. But they they really lacked, not an identity, but they, they kind of couldn't bounce back from those two back-to-back hits. The, the red card and then the, the goal being scored. And so... 
I think for them, they could really bounce back from that. And it also doesn't help when you don't have Tara McCune in the back line because Tara McCune was the stalwart along with Sam Staub in that back line. They were, the, they were the glue that held that back line together. And I think also not having Mark on the touchline as well was kind of something that 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 kind of, I feel like affected him a little bit because you do because you do you miss having that commanding presence on the touchline. But at, at the end of the day, I think it just kind of just capitulated. What once once the red card started, it just kind of was like the first domino to fall in the game, where all where everything just fell. And I think just for the unfortunately for the spirit, it went. It, they got the short end of the stick and, you know, got eliminated towards the end. I mean, I'm glad you focused <laughs> on the final game of the season. I'm not. I mean, you said most of what needed to be said. The only thing I'll add is Trinity's card was a red. Like, that was a straight red. I know that there was some discussion if she slipped or not after, um, during and after the game between reporters and fans. Guys, it's a tackle from behind. At the end of the day, they're going to call that regardless if she slipped, fell. Like, it's whatever. Like, she ended up going studs up in the back, and it was a straight red. It was an easy decision. Once you go to VAR, VAR, everything is slow-mo, and it looks more dangerous. You're giving the referee a reason why to give you that card. Trinity will grow from it. That's all that really can be said. The second half struggles was just the capitulation, the culmination, the culmination of a season where the spirit never found their footing in terms of what their identity would be. And I think part of that is Parsons' fault, but the other part was is partially into the spirit. What kind of team do you want to be? Do you want to be this possessive team? Do you want to be this counterattack team? Do you want to be this team that has a high press what do you want to be and i think that it never answered that question and it didn't help more and look i'm not here to blame people but it didn't help more that the spirit didn't include more depth in their roster got a lot of college girls that played well this season yes but you have a new coach you know a lot of your players are going to be uh, USMT or internationally favored players, and you don't bring additional talent that could possibly help out when they're gone. Um, they got lucky, honestly, that Ashley Hatch didn't go to the World Cup. They really did, because it would have been worse. Because think about it: as soon as the f- key, their key players like Sanchez, like Sullivan. Like Kingsbury left, the Spirit were donezo in the Challenge Cup. They were done. Like they were done. It was over. It was a wrap. The Challenge Cup, they had already lost like one of the two of their first three games. At that point, they could have won the rest. It, w- it wouldn't have made a difference, but they didn't win all the rest. There was a draw in there. They struggled. And then before their players left, they were already on a two-game Losing streak. Then the under victory streak. Not find. They couldn't find a win after that. They could not find a win in regular season play all the way into later in the year. It was like they only won one of their final seven regular season matches to end the year. 
and they only scored four times in those last seven games. That's absurd when you have the people like Rodman, like Sanchez, like Hatch, three players that are getting called up in national opportunity in the U.S. women's national team. And let's be honest here: the Spirit didn't know who they got. They got a guy who was a builder. You need to give him two, three years so you can see the final product. That was the same when he was here the first time. That was the same when he was at Portland. That was the same in Holland. Different results there, obviously, because it's a national team. But it was the same. Let me build it. Let me see what we have. We'll go from there. We'll make some additions. He was doing that. Like, like you mentioned, you putting Tara in the back. That was a stroke of genius. Resigning um, Riza Shiva and playing her early and playing her in those Challenge Cup games before the World Cup. Stroke of genius. Uh, when possible, including Chloe Ricketts, bringing her on. A little bit of smart move on their part. Not leaving her open to be picked up by anybody else. There were little things here and there. You saw it was building into something. But here's the reality. Michelle Kang is spending a lot of money, not, not just here, but in France for Leon, and wants to dominate quickly. She does not want to be... We're gonna slowly build this thing into a powerhouse. She sees what Manchester United, Manchester City is doing. She sees what the Red Bull team is doing with all its little clubs all around the world. She sees that and says, "I want to be that for U.S. for uh, women's soccer," and she wants to do it sooner rather than later. I get that you could be ambitious, but sometimes. That ambition could could block you from making a, a smart decision. And to her, not making the playoffs again with this roster, which one could argue is heading into their prime years, mid-20s, early 30s for some, she sees it as a justification to let them go. Let him go. I don't, but now you have to, just like DC United... You have to now, your next move better be the best move. And you have to have a clear identity where, unlike DC United, they have to do a rebuild. They have to find a coach that can handle all the voices in the room that have given up some of the power that they had because they want to be coached. But give the coach time, give him a chance to build something or at least build chemistry. Is Star coming back? Is, is Are some of the people that are going to free agency going to come back? Who are you going to let go? There's too many questions, but they have to answer this sooner rather than later. We know that it's being reported that Vlako Andagoski is already going back to Kansas City starting this week. There should be a press conference, so he's not in the running. And the Spirit are going to compete with U.S. soccer and whoever they're looking for in terms of their head coach. So whoever they have in mind, you might want to make that higher sooner rather than later. Right, because if not, then you'll enter a whole new dilemma of who is going to run the show and how how this team builds forward. Also, just to add a little bit to what was their non-winning streak, it doesn't help that some of your players kind of entered a cold streak at the wrong time. In particular, Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez entered a cold streak and they couldn't quite recover from them towards the end of the season. So with that being said, like certain players entering like these streaks where they were really cold and 
really and it's not their fault per se it just happens when you're a soccer player but when they enter these kinds of streaks and then you're depend you're a little more dependent on trinity rodman on on offense and i think ule sar did well it's just ule sar was not that player that kind of adjusted to whatever system they were trying to build here in washington this season and with those things happening you kind of get the results that you end up getting towards at the end of the season so yeah that it, it is what it is. I think just those factors, along with everything, was just the whole capitulation of what the playoff elimination entailed. But with trying, I mean, there's pros to trying to build an empire in the world. But I think people need to realize as well that the Manchester City empire, that it, what it is now, and the Red Bull and the Red Bull Empire in soccer. It wasn't, it wasn't built in a day. It took some time. And I think that's the one thing Michelle K kind of has to realize a little bit. It, it, it takes the time to build a real like, juggernaut, if you will. But I understand where she's coming from, where she wants to do this sooner rather than later. But I think all the questions that you need to be, need to be answered during the offseason, I think you have to address them now. Right. And also, like to the SAR point, like I understood why Mark Parsons – said this is a player we've been scouting all year we wanted to bring in they had to pitch her the spirit it wasn't the other way around like hey you know come you know we're gonna purchase your contract you're coming to a good situation no it was take a look at our facilities look at how do you feel what do you think we think you could be a great addition they had to pitch it to her and so it was like a college recruiting trip, more or less. But none of that dealt with tactics. Whereas we, you know, we discussed with multiple of our colleagues, like, what is SAR's best position? Is it as a nine? Is it behind the center forward? Is it on the wing? I felt like I ended the season still confused on what's her best spot. And we still don't even know that. And so I, I feel for her. Because she came over thinking that she's going to be a part of this this team and help it go to the next round. but And then it just feels like they stuck her in the wing and she had her moments here or there, but she didn't really impact the game. And that's what I think ultimately is the issue is like if you're going to make certain moves, make sure that they're not like for like, but they're moves that – can impact the team and make them better and help the coach tactically. I felt like this one kind of made Parsons force, you know, that saying it's like a forcing a, a round peg in a square hole. Like that's, that's what we have here. And so I, I kind of feel bad because she's such a good talented player. You can see it when she's running up and down the field. But I feel like by trying to force her in, everything that was eliminated in the beginning of the year was playing with the 10, giving Sanchez the reins to lead the offense. All that was abandoned. And so Parsons didn't control his his setup well, and it led to a lot of this jumbling action. And so and next year, we don't have a Challenge Cup reportedly. So... Next year, it's going to be much more on point. You have to get on the nose. Who is going to play 
in these roles and what's going to be your system going forward. You can't just bounce around and hope for the best. Like you, you got to figure out what's your system, what's your style of play early. Stick with that because guess what's coming up next year? The Olympics. And we already see in these friendlies, the spirits still lose like five to eight players on international duty. It's the same thing I've said when I covered the spirit in 2019. I've said it in this podcast. Say it again. What is your depth situation? You can't just blame it on the coaches anymore. What are you doing to build depth on this team? Yeah, and without depth, you're kind of screwed at that point. Yes, you're you're right about that. Thank you for keeping it short there. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the spirit disappointingly end their season on a sour note. They won't be playing for the NWSL championship that will take place in San Diego. Meanwhile, we'll just quickly jump into it before we let you guys go. We will talk about and have like a quick wrap up where we talk about the players in the future, similar with DC United. But we'll we'll touch on this kind of stuff. First off, DC United in the headlines, not just because it seems like they're delaying the announcement of who the new GM is, according to multiple reports, specifically the athletic, there are three candidates for the head coaching position for the uh, general manager position, the position in which they would like to fill before, um, before hiring a head coach. It was reported that Columbus crew assistant GM, Issa tall in Nashville's, uh, Assistant General Manager Ali McKay are the finalists. Also, Orlando did grant DC the ability to speak to its technical director, Ricardo Morelia. For to be, he's also been interested as a potential finalist for the job. DC apparently reached out to Cincinnati about Kyle McCarthy to see if he was interested, but since he said, nope, you're not interviewing our guy, no, sir. And so they've been rebuffed. Smart move on their part, but probably the one that's getting all the attention is both the Athletic and ESPN are reporting that DC United has been reached out by former New England Revolution and U.S. men's national team coach Bruce Arena about its opening in the head coach vacancy. This is from The Athletic. A source briefed on United's plans confirmed that Arena is a candidate for the team's coaching vacancy, but that the club is remaining focused on hiring a general manager first. Multiple team sources have told The Athletic over the last month that a new GM will lead the hiring process for the team's new head coach. It was Pablo Maurer of The Athletic that said because of these candidates, the GM role has been pushed. The announcement of whoever the new GM is had been pushed back. It was supposed to be done this week, but has pushed back an extra 10 days in the middle of the Eastern Conference semifinals. I said a lot there, but Mario, what are your thoughts? And not just the GM race. It seems like a lot of candidates. Um but the fact that Bruce Arena is one of the first names we're hearing interested or being positioned as a favorite for the job. You know, for a guy that talked a lot of smack about Audi Field, I'm surprised that Bruce Arena is a candidate at all. Uh, it, it, in theory, it sounds like a good idea. The, one of the issues is you haven't resolved your GM situation just yet. 
And so with that being said, you don't have your GM resolution. You don't have your GM situation resolved yet, which I'm kind of glad that they're right now going to, to pretty much just resolve that first. So you have three clear candidates in all in all in in that in that uh, in that uh, pursuit for a GM. What makes you think that they're that whoever gets the GM between the three names that were just mentioned? What makes you think that Bruce Arita is their head is the guy they want to hire as a head coach? What's the other thing you got to think about? They may have a different idea for who they want to be as their head coach. Uh, at, for example, like the, the gentleman that's being interviewed by, by Orlando, because I'm trying to play on it, obviously. He may, he may have an idea, an idea if he gets the job. I have a certain candidate that I want to bring in to the job. Or East Hall in Columbus. Like I may have the ideal, my ideal candidate would be so and so for the head coaching role. So, yes, it sounds like a decent idea in theory, but execution wise, you don't know what these the GM candidates are looking for. So he may not, Bruce may not even be on the top of their list. And also, remember, Bruce Arita was, Bruce Arita left his job in New England mired in scandal. And if you guys remember correctly, he is talking, he is, they, they have said he, he wants to be a head coaching job, a head coach again. He has to write a written apology to the league and Don Garber. I don't know about you. I just doesn't seem like Bruce Arita is the apologetic type and so there's a lot of like there's a lot of goodwill that he has to make and a lot of things for him to do to even be considered for this job again it's nice for the nostalgia feel Bruce Arena was the first is the a successful head coach not only MLS he led DC United to its first two MLS Cup titles back to back in 96 and 97 but there's a lot that he has to do to even be considered for this job. And I don't know if he's willing to do all that. And also, like, I think Bruce Arena is still a good candidate either way. It's just there's a lot that goes into it. it. All of it is just speculation right now. And without having a GM in, in, in hand, it's kind of weird that we're put that there's a that he that he's being rumored to be one of the candidates for the coaching position. So that, that's where I stand on that. It'd be rude of me not to also say that um, Hugo Perez has also been rumored in international circles, international circles, meaning in the Central American press, to be interested in the vacancy over here at D.C. Well, I will say, yes, after he resigned – for, quote, alleged inappropriate insensitive remarks, unquote, after his resignation, MLS said certain allegations were confirmed and that Arena would have to submit a petition to the commissioner, sir, should he pursue any future employment within the league. I mean, he wouldn't have agreed to it if he wouldn't be planning to do it. Yes, Bruce is a little bit of a hardhead. He, he's very open and transparent. I've seen um, Forbes, actually, uh, a former writer here in the D.C. area, uh, wrote an interesting editorial saying if Bruce were to come back to MLS, he would have to confirm 
uh, what was said there. And I think with this fan base where I know there are some in the fan base that like to pretend that uh, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room, this, that, and third, and that that politics shouldn't get into our football, this, that, and the third. I do agree that I think if Bruce were to be even thought of as a candidate, he has to say what happened in New England. I don't care what uh, the crafts uh, craft up, no pun intended, in order to get MLS not to reveal what happened there. I don't care. I think if you're going to come work at this market in this climate where you have a trainer who is suing the team because of a symbol he displayed you're gonna have a lot of people in especially in this climate where you have a a county in maryland getting death threats to their synagogue you have multiple hispanics in in latino communities talking about how much they fear about any siren that comes on that it could be ice or or other police that are going to take them away in this environment where it's being reported and rumored that you said a racist thing where to to come to a team that dealt with a racist situation last season you would have to be honest. Like you can't just accept the job or even interview with the job without saying what the heck happened. That's just my opinion. Before he even makes it to the interview room, Bruce is going to have to say, answer a lot of questions. And if he gets the job, he's still going to have to answer a lot of questions. Cause I and others are going to be asking how the heck you get the job at a club that dealt with such an issue last year and think you're going to be fine. No problem. That's a load of BS. I am sorry. There's just too much, like you said, there's just too much BS that has to go into hiring Bruce. (coughs) Yes, he is the record holder for the most wins in MLS history. Fact. He's probably the best U.S. men's national team coach on record currently who the program's ever had. That's a fact. He rebuilt the galaxy into a juggernaut and currently is sinking on the water without him. That's a fact. He was doing something fabulous in New England before he resigned. That's a fact. So he can rebuild the program. But two things, this situation and the fact that he would come without the con- the condition that he'd be the GM. He was the GM in L.A. He was the GM in, in, in New England. Yes, the crafts were partially involved in that one, too. But. He likes the power, and I don't think he will come back if he doesn't have some of that power, even with this situation. So for me, cool. Glad you're interested. I don't think the club should be interested at all. And lastly, we didn't talk about this pre-show. I'm going to just say it. There's a lot of fans right now that are pissed with the club on how they handled Rooney because Rooney came with goodwill. And it feels like they take advantage of the fact that the fans have goodwill for players like Marco, like Rooney, like Andy Nahar, and they take that and they abuse it. This would be an example of that. You're going to bring the man that talks S about your stadium whenever he gets. And until this season, hadn't said a nice thing about this venue until five years into the venue's existence. We were there when he said that, by the way. He 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 said it's gotten better. They finally recognized my championships, but it could still be better. 
He's like, I like that they added color, is what he said. <laughs> Again, why would you want someone that talks total total BS about total, total S about your club? That doesn't make any sense. See, that's that's the thing. That's the thing with hiring Bruce. Yes, I get it. It would be the I guess if you if you want to promote it this way, the prodigal son or the or the king that once led you to glory coming back home to lead the cavalry once again. Again, that, that's fine and all, but I said it, and what makes you think whoever you hire as a GM is willing to take on that baggage of hiring Bruce Arena? It, it's just crazy to me. But the fact that these reports are coming out is still really crazy to me because, again, he, him and Hugo Perez are the two candidates that have been talked about the most so far to take this DC United vacancy. But it's early. It's, the, early. it's early. It's, yeah, it's early. It's early. So, like, so yeah, we could play the speculation game, but it's early. So we don't know what direction they're going in. Again, it's just fascinating that we're throwing candidates' names out now. No, it's it's what we do. We talk about candidates when there's nothing to talk about. Because guess what? We don't know the candidates for GM. We don't know who they are. A lot of them are assistants. And I kind of agree. And shout out to Roach from formerly of DC 101 and his podcast on Pitch Pass. Um, you have to have a general manager that historically, when put in the role, is making peanuts. And Powell Mauer reported... This and I'm still stunned. Lucy Rushton, who we fired, who worked for Peanuts in the same role, is gonna make close to a million dollars at Bay FC. So <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know of the your whoever takes this job, you're gonna be working doing a lot for very little. And so DC has taken this opportunity to say, this is a jump-off job. We're your minor league job before you get to the pros. That's disrespectful. Uh, but that's the way the club is going to push it for now. And until they like put more money into the GM role, we'll see what happens. I do agree. One of the candidates, I want to say it's Isa, who is a former uh, agent. One thing that is true, and I have to confirm Pablo's reporting, DC has become a destination to overpay players. And I do think that having someone in the GM role that will battle to get players at a lower rate would be a better option, whoever it is. But I do like the fact that one of the candidates has a background as an agent because DC has developed this reputation. And as a fan of the club, as a reporter of the club, when I see the (laughs) – and we saw them. We saw the numbers come out this week. When you see those numbers of the MLS Players Union come out and you see, oh, Christian Bateke is making over $4 million dollars. What's the first thing you see DC Night fans say? Is he worth $4 billion? Oh, look, Kamara scored more and he only made a million and two million and a half. Well, I'm like, uh, I'm going <laughs> to the following and I'll be the contrary here. But unlike Ola Kamara, Christian Penteke hasn't had a season. Well, it's only been here for like a year and a half. So that's kind of disingenuous to say. They didn't go on record to say 
I am in the best shape of my life. It didn't bother to score towards the end. <laughs> he was shut out of goals. <laughs> shut out. <laughs> so it's it's just something to keep in mind. I do like the candidates. I'm interested. Orlando's candidate, I'm very interested because he has a background focusing more on the youth. You see it now with Oscar Pareja and how many they two goals scored of we might as well go here right now on this a decision day. Two goals scored by a college pickup from the draft. Yeah, they still they there's still some that work, and so <laughs> there you go. That's what happens when you hire people that and know he, what they're doing. And he scored a banger over in his final game of his career. Yeah, let's just quickly dive into it. It was decision day. DC United fans probably watched just the first minute to them officially announce they've been officially eliminated from the Eastern Conference playoffs. <laughs> I don't know what the point of that was. We already know where this was going. You didn't just say, hey, yo, listen, you're eliminated. But we're just going to make it official in the first 45 seconds of the game, of each and every game. For what? Who knows? What it, we know. It came, yeah, but it came down... To the end, um, Charlotte earned a historic 1-0 victory over Leo Messi and Inter Miami. That result, plus others, helped them propel from 11th to 9th to take the, the last playoff spot. Meanwhile, Chicago and New York, Red, New York City FC, New York got the 1-0 victory, yet... It was stopped by their noisy neighbors in New Jersey who were able to leapfrog everyone, including Montreal, to get the 1-0 victory in the 94th minute, thanks to uh, Mr. Tolkien uh, with the penalty kick. That Thank one John kick. Tolkien, New York Red Bulls. Thank John Tolkien. He has literally saved your bacon throughout the entire season. Thank him and pay him handsomely. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, St. Louis finished atop top of the table despite losing to Seattle. Sport, Sporting KC, who looked to be dead and dusted at the beginning of the year, fought back, claimed the, the eighth spot, with San Jose claiming the ninth spot. Sporting got a 3-1 victory over Minnesota. The Earthquakes got a draw. And Houston, uh, Portland had a chance. Because of the Earthquake's draw, end up losing at home 3-1 to one to the on-fire Houston Dynamo. Um, so here's where things stand right away. We'll just get into this quickly. Uh, Red Bulls will take on Charlotte on Wednesday, and then they will go in a best-of-three series against Cincinnati, who is the supporter show winners. Orlando will take on Nashville. Columbus will take on Atlanta. And the Union will who lost in New England will then face New England. <laughs> there you go. And you'll see a little bit of repetition here as the as Sporting Kansas City, as I mentioned earlier, will take on San Jose in the West. And then the winner of that will that uh, wild card single match played on Wednesday will play St. Louis. Seattle will play Dallas after Dallas whipped the holy bejesus out of the galaxy in the first half, four to one. LAFC, who lost in Vancouver, will get another crack at it as they play Vancouver in the Western Conference. And 
Houston Dynamo will take on Real Salt Lake, who solidified their spot in the playoffs after beating Colorado. Mario, what are your thoughts on Decision Day? I I just thought the Eastern Conference was hilarious. Like that, I think I think that we can only talk real quickly about the Eastern Conference and just say, Montreal, what happened? You had a month to to, to clinch this. Like what happened? Okay, so I failed to make this analogy before in a previous episode. Might as well do it now. The NWSL playoff race was. Everybody wanted to make the playoffs, and we're fighting hard to get a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the last two playoff spots of the Eastern Conference, nobody wanted to make the playoffs, and we're fighting hard to get eliminated. With that being said, yo, Montreal, you had a month to absolutely clinch this spot. You and DC United. What did you guys do? You guys absolutely decided to lose in every inimaginable way to find ways to not get into the playoffs. Well, congratulations, you played yourself. And I'm I'm like, again, we've talked enough about DC United, you know, screwing this up and not making it to the playoffs. But Montreal, while the one part I give DC United a pass in, they were fluctuating between 9th and 10th. Montreal was 8th place for the last month and a half. You were at 8th, for the last month and a half, and you blew it. You blew it. You finished third overall last year in the standings, second in the East with Wilfred Dancy, and now you get Hernando Masada, and you don't even make the playoffs. So, you know, that's your fault. You you absolutely <laughs> blew it. Yeah, that is absolutely your fault. Well, as New York City FC in Chicago, well... Yeah, what can I tell you? Chicago, <laughs> well, what can we say? What can, what can we say about that? I mean, New York City FC tried. They always pull this stunt every every other playoff race. It just didn't work this time because your noisy neighbors got a goal thanks to the guy that continuously saves their butts every time they play. And Chicago, well, what else could be said about Chicago that hasn't been said about Chicago? They're a fire, a dumpster fire. They're just bad. Chicago shouldn't have been here. I blame DC United for, for keeping them alive. I, I, I also would like to thank um, DC United and Montreal for not clinching this um, months ago. Reminder, you said that DC was in ninth. I would like to remind you two months ago, DC was in fifth. So they were in the top. And then not only that, Montreal and DC could have clinched this a month and a half ago. They both were well ahead and they chose to mess around and they got found out. Um, <laughs> um that's, Actually, was- that's the perfect way to that's the perfect way to describe this latter part of the Eastern Conference playoff race. Mess around and find and find out. Exactly. Like Hernan Losada looked God bless his soul. I wish him best. In his future with Montreal. But, and look, he had a rough go from the beginning of the season, losing Kai Kamara because of a dispute with the GM situation up there. Um, but Hernan Lasada, that Columbus team basically scored two bangers and said, Come score at us. And you couldn't score. And you were watching and hoping and praying that John Token wasn't going to make a PK. 
you set yourself up to failure. This this is, oh, is you cannot be scoreboard yeah. watching. You can't. You just can't. You can't leave yourself wide open for that. You 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 deserve to lose. And Charlotte, I'll give you credit. The last month, while I hate watching you play, man, you got the job done. Congratulations. You've earned the right to go to the playoffs to then lose against the Red Bulls at, at, at Harrison. Congrats. And that and congratulations to the winner of that playoff of that uh, knockout game. You your grand prize is you're most likely gonna get eliminated by FC Cincinnati. More than likely, yeah. And look, the rest of the playoffs look great. Um I'm actually interested in Union versus Rebs, especially because the Rebs have not stopped since the coaching change. They look unstoppable right now at the moment. And so I, I wouldn't want to play them. And you have a union team that made it to MLS Cup last year who are revving to go again. I wouldn't want to play them either. Columbus, you always know that's going to be a tricky affair uh, with for Nancy. I, I remember talking to him when he says Lenardis of, of MLS, or he's like, that's a tough team to prepare for because you just never know what you're going to get out of them versus a Atlanta team who's defensively sound until Lucho Costa showed up and scored on a header. I mean, <laughs> that, that is... <laughs> in between two center backs, by the way. In between, in between two, two center backs. backs. That's the MVP for you. But uh, I, I think that's going to be a nice affair to watch. Nashville and Orlando will be interesting. More of a youth team versus team players, either in their old age or heading in the prime of their of their football uh, Nashville, at some point, they have to win something, right? You can't have such a good roster and and, and not win anything. I feel like they have to do something They uh, in here. They have to do something and win something. You can't have those players and think you, they just have to do something. With the West, right? You can't. You can't. You can't do this disservice to Hanny Mukhtar at all. No, you can't. The West. I mean. I'm surprised San Jose got in, but thank you, uh, Houston, for putting Portland out of their misery. (laughs) They should have been put out of their misery three months ago, but alas, they were still fighting. Um, Sporting Kansas City, I got to give them credit. They looked like a dying team back in May. They went like seven games without a win. They made it at least to the eighth. I got to give them credit. That's a good way to fight back. And you know what? The way they played at Decision Day to get that 2-0 victory, if I'm St. Louis, I'm looking at San Jose like, please get a win so we can beat you. Like, please get a win. <laughs> I'd rather play you versus like Kansas City. Kansas City looks on form. And an interstate rivalry would be kind of interesting over there in Missouri. Hey, man. Welcome to this. Welcome to sport. Welcome to the story of Sporty Kansas City and how Peter Vermees continues to have a job. It's just incredible. That man said no to the U.S. men's national team, and here he is, barely making it to the playoffs. Like Jesus. And, and look, scratch I have, scratch I'm going to stay away from making picks. I see how you guys are ruthless aggression over here with people who make picks. I will say this. Um, I'm going to totally uh, enjoy watching the Easter Conference. It just looks like a mess. It looks like teams that are ready to murder each other. While the West, look, man, Seattle 
it's it's whoever's on a good day. And that's the thing. When it's a best of three series, it's like, well, who's playing their best football? Right now, Seattle's kind of playing their best football, even though Dallas just destroyed the living bejesus out of the galaxy. And eliminated LA Galaxy on that. LAFC should beat Vancouver, but Vancouver's playing their best football in the past month and a half. So I could see an upset there. The Dynamo on fire. But Real Salt Lake's been playing really good the last month and a half. So you'd never know. You know, the, the West, it just seems like a toss-up. Every team is really good. And the East, I'm just, it just seems like a mess. Like you said, who wants this? <laughs> no one has shown that they really want this. <laughs> I know. Either way, I'm going to stay with popcorn in hand and just watch the just watch the cartage. That's all I look forward to at this point. The cartage, especially in the Eastern Conference, because that's just going to be one big old backup on 95. Exactly. But that's enough for us. We've had a nice chat that went longer than we expected, but that's enough for us here in the Battle Brews FC podcast. So before we let you go, Mario, go ahead and tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to learn more about what I'm working on, read my story on my one-on-one interview with Marco Echeverry, if you want to check that out. Or you just want to see me tweet about how how not to steal your shine out of your significant other when they're going to retire, Ashley Harris. You can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya One. You can follow the Bad FC podcast on Twitter as well at the Bad FC. You want to follow Tiempo Latino? You can go ahead and follow them too at El Tiempo Latino on Twitter. You can go on their website at www.eltiempolatino.com if you want to know what's going on on in the world, or just know what, or you just want to know what's going on in the DMV. And if you want to put money in my pocket, you just go get yourself a hard copy of El Tiempo Latino at your local newsstand or metro station today. Yes, I've survived an episode without talking about that. That's great. I, I didn't want to talk about it. But stay away from that. Moving on. As always, you give all you need to know is I agree with all of you. <laughs> The less said, the better. Anyways, I always support my local girl. And she got done dirty. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. Anyway, you can follow me on all my socials at Jose underscore M underscore Numana for more. Special shout out, as always, to Camera Cloud and Protect for the intro and outro music. Remember to rate and subscribe, as always, to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. There will be a link to Mario's story if you're interested in reading about Marco Echeverri's uh, adventure back to D.C. to coach their U15s. It will be in the show notes, so go ahead and give it a read. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into the Battle of the FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.